Well, good morning. I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Mini Pod for Sunday, March the 14th. Well, unusual, uh, as usual, it's a little after uh, midnight. It's actually a little earlier tonight than uh, normally for me on these mini pods, uh, mainly because tonight uh, we jump back into daylight savings and we're going to lose an hour of sleep. So I thought, well, gee, if I try to do my normal thing, I'm going to be up to four o'clock in the morning. So anyway, I'm getting a little earlier start tonight. But uh, I appreciate you joining me again for another episode of Minipod. Um, kind of like I've been saying here for the last several episodes, uh, I've been relying heavily, at least lately, on uh, uh, Huckabee's uh, site for uh, either the morning edition or, or the evening edition of his newsletter just because he he references so many other articles on so many different subjects each time, it just kind of gives me a lot more uh, options for, for different articles to cover. So I'm going to do that again tonight, I'm, or actually this morning. Uh, sorry, it's technically it's Saturday night, but yet it's early Sunday morning. So um, I'm going to talk about Nancy Pelosi some more. Um, we talk about her quite a bit on Trice Talk and try to give her a little bit of, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a break occasionally because you hate to talk about somebody all the time, like they did Donald Trump for four years, four plus years. But, um, you know, there's just so many things about what she's done Oh, gee, I guess in the last two and a half years, especially that just warrant discussions. But tonight I'm going to talk about two specific things that uh, were referenced in, in Huckabee's, um, like I said, the morning edition. And that's from uh, the Saturday morning edition, uh, which is March the 13th, if anybody would like to go back. I mean, I would recommend it's um, Huckabee's uh, newsletter morning edition, evening edition, they're light reads, but, and typically he only comments, just, just makes short comments about subjects. And then he gives you the links to go to other articles. So you can continue reading about them more from the sources from which they came. Um, so tonight I'm going to start with, um, one of the articles that Huckabee references and, um, but I'm going to go down here. Let's see. I'm going to start out with Mike Huckabee's comments, which are very short again, and then I'll go into the particular article that he's talking about. By her own definition of refusing to accept legally certified election results, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is considering committing treason and insurrection. But then it would hardly be the first time Pelosi attempted to abuse her powers to overthrow a duly elected political office holder. If we really want to protect our democratically elected government from a serious insurrection threat, 
maybe we should put razor wire fencing and a few thousand troops between Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol. And so that's pretty much extent of his comments on that. But then he has the two uh, links to go into the articles that'll cover uh, both cases that he's referencing in this short commentary. The first issue is Nancy Pelosi's comments about whether she will accept the certified results from an Iowa House seat win. For uh, information on this issue, I, I'm going to read from a uh, article on Epic Times dated March the 12th, 2021. And I, I believe we talked about this just briefly on regular Trice Talk series uh, one day la this past week just kind of touch base on it because there was a, a race for house seat in Iowa. And uh, after a long period of time, it was decided finally that a Republican won. But now there's a cloud over that decision. And um, this is what this first article references, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her position on what she's going to do about the Republican winning that seat in Iowa. All right. The headline reads, Pelosi says she's open to overturning Republican win in Iowa district. And this is an article by Jack Phillips. The Democrat run house of representatives is open to overturning a tight Republican victory in an Iowa congressional district. So says House Speaker Nancy Pelosi this past Thursday. Representative Marionette Miller Meeks, a Republican, defeated Democrat Rita Hart by only six votes during the November 3rd election. When asked about a scenario in which Democrats would unseat Miller Meeks, Pelosi said it was a hypothetical situation, but later said it's possible that it could happen. Well, I respect the work of the committee, she told reporters in her weekly press conference. I did see, as you saw in the press, what they decided to, and they were following my, as I read it, the requirements of the law as to how you go forward. And how you go forward is the path you're on, and we'll see where that takes us. But there could be a scenario to that extent, yes. Okay, I'm going to stop right here and say, does anybody else find that the Speaker of the House is difficult to follow when she is talking about a subject? I mean, I never, I've never seen anybody cram so many incomplete thoughts or changes in directions in the sentence that she does. And I know occasionally I, I kind of trip and, and maybe <laughs> lose my place and, and, and maybe sound like I'm a little bit like what she was just saying, but. I mean, this is all the time with her. Um, I personally think it's done in an attempt to keep people from pinning her down on what she says, because really by the time she's finished a sentence or a paragraph, you don't know what the hell she just finished saying. You might pick up on a couple of the words and, but I find myself more often than not, you know, if there's someone, you know, close to me that I can say something to, I'll say, what did she just say? 
So I, I almost think that it's uh, intentional that she <laughs> loses people. So nobody can ever really say to her, well, you told us that you were going to do this, or you told us that you thought this was the right thing to do. And she can say, well, I never said that. All right. So the article continues. It came after the House Committee on House Administration. The House Committee on House Administration. Jeez. Dismissed a motion filed by Miller Meeks to dismiss Hart's election contest. So evidently, uh, Hart, the Democrat, was, you know, trying to uh, file a motion in order to contest the election results. And Miller Meeks, the Republican winner, was trying to get the House to dismiss that motion so they could move on with business. So the House Committee on House Administration, which is headed by Representative Zoe Lofgren, a Democrat from California, said the margin separating the two candidates was only six votes out of almost 400,000 cast. That's less than one-sixth of 1%. That's just six fewer votes than we have members on this committee. And that's what uh, comments she was making to the panel's members. She added, it should not be surprising that any candidate in these circumstances with a margin this close, would seek to exercise their rights under the law to contest the results. Representative Brian Steele, a Republican from Wisconsin, said he supported the move to dismiss the contest, noting that Miller Meeks has been certified by Iowa to be the winner. Miller Meeks has won the election. The majority of Iowa has fairly elected their representative. The Democrat majority in Washington should not stand in the way and delay the process any longer and spend taxpayer money on unnecessary legal fees, he said. Okay, so I'm going to have to comment again here. <laughs> Is it not insane that that uh, it, it's been since the... Here it is in the middle of March, following a November the 4th election, and the Democrats are wanting to contest the election results. And these results have been certified by the state of Iowa. Is that not what Josh Hawley and, and some other uh, individuals were doing back in January the 6th that so many people crucified them for? Josh Hawley and, and the group were contesting results that had been certified. But all hell broke loose that day when they were Josh Hawley and, and constituents were trying to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish that day. But that's when the, quote, insurrection occurred, effectively stopping any further debate on the contested electoral results. Now, I've said on uh, the regular Tristalk series it just as a thought, you know, not, I have no proof, obviously. I have few resources other than what many of you have. But I thoroughly believe that there's a good chance that what occurred on January the 6th 
was in part due to stop what was going on in the Capitol building that day. I think they wanted to stop the debate. They wanted to stop uh, the objections because there would have been discussions and those discussions would have been public and it may have raised issues that would have had to have been covered by the media that might have put some questions in, in the American people's minds, the ones that already didn't have those questions in there. But I can't help but imagine going back to this particular contest. I can't help imagine, but the recount wasn't already done in Iowa since the, the vote was this close, obviously. So here we are almost five months later and the Democrats are still not happy with the results, which kind of reminds me of what was going on in New York state with that particular house seat that was won by a Republican. But I, I have to say, you know, I can't, uh, can't remember a time in, in my, my adult life where we've had the kind of issues with voting that we've had, uh, from the 2020 election. But if we can't get some final results after almost five months after the dadgum election, here's that Texas term again, we're in bad shape. We're in trouble. We've got a screwed up system, people, that, you know, and it's only going to get worse if H.R. 1 makes it through the Senate. But this this is just it, it boggles my mind that we're still and, and Democrats can still say, well, we may not accept this. All right, so I'm going to go back to the article. It continues. Under the Federal Contested Elections Act of 1969, which, you know, there's there's something they, they did to uh, address this kind of situation. The House has the ability to decide close congressional races on its own aside from the courts. So in other words, the House can actually, based on this, this article, uh, you know, resolve this issue on their own without any any interference from the courts consistent with the supreme federal election law and policy legislative procedure and court rulings the house in considering contested elections constitutional provisions regarding congressional authority has at times accepted state counts recounts or other state over house elections and membership. And this is according to a readout of the act. The house hasn't reversed the seating of a state certified election winner in that manner since 1985. When then speaker of the house, Tip O'Neill, I remember Tip O'Neill, uh, who was a Democrat from Massachusetts, approved tossing out, get this, Republican Representative Rick McIntyre, who had been officially seated in the House and instead accepted the incumbent Democrat Representative Frank McClos McCloskey. That name sounds familiar as well. So is that not interesting that this seems to be an action that Democrats use to keep one of their own seated, even when they're beaten by a Republican? And I realize the, the, the vote was painfully close and, and I can imagine, you know, 
that that there would be reason to think that uh, something, you know, wasn't wasn't quite right. But the results have been certified by Iowa. And it's, you know, why can't the Democrats be forced to accept the same thing that we were forced to accept here in Georgia? I mean, a lot of us Republicans in Georgia were just were just crushed by the fact that that we lost both Senate seats, both Republican Senate seats in Georgia to Democrats. And it's a hard pill to swallow, folks, I'm going to tell you. Even though it was a hard pill to swallow that that uh, Donald Trump lost the state of Georgia as well. But again, going back, using the words, the results have been certified by the state who elected this representative. Yet the House, with Speaker Nancy Pelosi's help, is trying to decide whether they want to accept that result. Okay, so that's pretty much where we are with that particular contest. And again, I talked about that uh, not long ago. And um, at that time, uh, there wasn't any question raised about, you know, what that the House may not have to accept that result. I was upset just because it took till March to decide the contest. And, and then I come to find out a couple of days or a few days later that well, that doesn't even solve, that doesn't even resolve the contest. It's still up in the air. I mean, my God, how, how, <laughs> how long does it take? You know, you would think that we could vote in this day and time when we can send, you know, uh, spaceships to, to Mars, you know, uh, and land a craft on Mars and explore a planet that far away that we would have a voting system in this country that we could vote one day and know that the winners, the next. All right. So I'm going to go on to the next article and I'm sure I'm not through talking about that, especially if Nancy Pelosi and the house Democrat committee decide to uh, reject the results from Iowa certification and keep the incumbent incumbent Democrat in place. You can bet I'll be talking about that again. All right. Um, Huckabee also referenced another issue, and that's about uh, Pelosi's actions right after the uh, January 6th events in Washington, D.C. An article appeared in the March 9th edition of Town Hall, and it was written by Katie Pavlich, and it was entitled, Judicial Watch Wants to Know More About Pelosi's Coup Attempt. That's what they're calling it. That's not my words. She writes in the article, government watchdog judicial watch wants to know more about house speaker Nancy Pelosi's behavior and actions on January the 8th, 2021, when she called general Mark Miley, who is the chairman of the chief chief joint 
chairman of the Joint's Chief of Staff. Get that one right. In an attempt to take away then-President Trump's military authority, the group has issued a Freedom of Information lawsuit against the Department of Defense for details of the call. The lawsuit demands any and all records regarding, concerning, or related to the telephone call between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and General Mark Miley on or about January the 8th, 2021, and any and all transcripts, recordings, and or summaries of the call as well as any other records produced in preparation for, during, and or pursuant to the call. If you can keep up with that. (laughs) Judicial Watch is also looking for any and all additional records of communications between General Miley and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi between November the 1st, 2020 and the present. At the time, the Wall Street Journal called the Speaker's behavior a coup of Pelosi's, well, Pelosi, (laughs) almost thinking of pollution, a coup of Pelosi's own. If Speaker Pelosi's description of her conversation with General Miley is true, it sets a dangerous precedent that could undermine the president's role as commander-in-chief and the separation of powers. Judicial Watch President Tom Fenton said about the lawsuit, Our new lawsuit aims to uncover the truth about the call. Town Hall references an article published by the Wall Street Journal. Everybody seems to reference something else. But the Wall Street Journal has never been known to be a friend of Donald Trump and and quite often uh, says a lot of nasty things about him. But on January 8th, the Wall Street Journal published uh, an article, and it's, was, it looks here like it was written by the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. And it goes on to say, We scoured the U.S. Constitution Friday afternoon, and it's definitely not there. The provision allowing the Speaker of the House of Representatives to intervene in the military chain of command to protect the world from President Trump. Ms. Pelosi told her Democrat colleagues that she spoke Friday morning to Mark Miley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to discuss available precautions for preventing an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. And I'm, I'm sure many of you remember those comments that went on down at that particular time. So I'm going to inject here. Who in the hell was Donald Trump going to launch nuclear attacks against? I mean, she said that she made that claim at that time. And I thought, I remember thinking that dude, who the hell is he going to attack? Is he going to attack the American, American people? Is he going to attack California? I mean, what a wild, crazy ass statement that was. And, and rage was Donald Trump going to, attack? you know, send nuclear missiles over to Russia or China, Iceland, you know, Madagascar. I don't know what she never really explained that, but she, she made that as an issue. I mean, did Pelosi honestly think she was that, that Trump was so upset by losing the election that he was going to start a world war over it. 
I mean, I have to say, who's the real nut here? And what nut was going to listen to her? I'm not so sure that she actually believed that scenario as much as she wanted to portray the picture of Donald Trump. Maybe in an effort to go ahead and have him removed from office before January 20th. I mean, we're talking about crap that that borderlines paranoia here or just, you know, talking about somebody. I mean, here here's a person, Nancy Pelosi, her party won the election, won the House back and uh, was on the verge. I, I don't believe the results. Let's see, were they finalized by then about the Georgia seats? May have been. But anyway. I mean, she pretty much had power sewn up in Washington, D.C. They did, the Democrats. And she's worried about Donald Trump going nuts and, and bombing people and and uh, and sending the military against who? California? New York? But see, that's, that kind of falls in line with what and I hate to say it. I hate to say it all the time. And maybe maybe I use the word liberal more than Democrat. Because, again, I know some decent Democrats in my life. And uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't cannot speak for all of them. So I think that um, Nancy Pelosi just... I think she was making a grandstand. I think she was trying to set herself up to be somebody who is, was the protector of the country, you know, to keep this evil president from just losing his mind and, and, and creating more havoc than they claim he's already created over the past, uh, the past four years. Anyway, going back to the article, Nancy Pelosi posted a dear colleague letter on her website to make sure the world got her message about her efforts. A spokesman for General Miley told reporters that the chairman answered the questions that were uh, um, asked him by Nancy Pelosi. But the Wall Street Journal went on to say Pelosi's actions were an abuse of her own power, which is limited to leading, just leading the legislative branch, unless both the president and vice president are incapacitated or removed from office. In that case, <laughs> she is third in line for the presidency. And, you know, so. Let me say this. Let me let me circle back as as our friend Saki likes to say all the time. Let me circle back. So everybody pretty much knows that Pelosi is third in line. And you th you think that um all those people were Donald Trump supporters that were in uh, storming the Capitol that day. And they were going to try to take out vice president Pence, um, you know, and then probably if that could have been proven, then they would have done something to Donald Trump. Certainly uh, at that point, if it could have been proven that he uh, sent people there to, for that purpose. And then guess who would have been 
acting president until Joe Biden took over. I would assume unless they tried to do something where they pushed Biden's inauguration up. But, you know, this whole scenario just didn't make sense. Of course, not much that they do does. But the article goes on to say, in the meantime, Pelosi had no business telling the Joint Chiefs not to follow the president's orders. General Miley hardly needs the lecture as he has been dealing with Mr. Trump for 15 months and isn't about to indulge an unlawful order, much less an effort to launch nuclear weapons. So not only was her assumptions that she was making insulting to Donald Trump, but they were also insulting to the military leadership in this country in the sense that thinking that they would have followed Donald Trump if he had said, let's launch some nuclear missiles at XYZ or let's go, uh, you know, take over, you know, ABC. I don't know. So, you know, she insulted a, a number of people by that action that she took. Mrs. Pelosi's call to General Miley is itself a violation of the separation of powers by seeking to inject herself into an executive branch military decision. She can offer advice all she wants, but this call at this time has the sound of an order. It might even be construed by some as its own little coup conniving with the military to relieve of command the person who remains at that time, the elected president. How anyone thinks her intervention would restore good constitutional order to this country or to this government or some modicum of sanity to politics is a mystery. And again, this is the Wall Street Journal saying this, not a friend of Donald Trump at all. And this statement pretty much backs that up. Mr. Trump failed his constitutional test on Wednesday, which was January the 6th, but Mrs. Pelosi showed awful judgment with her grandstanding over the nuclear launch codes. As I said, the Wall Street Journal, you know, has, has been a critical of Donald Trump pretty much throughout his presidency but rightfully criticized Nancy Pelosi this time. And I'll, I'll have to give them, give them a, a round of applause for that, for taking actions that were not only uncalled for, were more than likely illegal and probably done for efforts at political gain for Democrats, if not herself. The media and unhinged Democrats have spent so much time the last four years focusing on discrediting and removing Donald Trump that they failed to pay attention to another powerful person that has, has the ability to screw things up in Washington, D.C. Then again, she's got lots of company in that unhinged department. All right, so that's the two articles about Nancy Pelosi and um, that's the first time I, like I said, I remember her talking about the launch codes and, and trying to possibly, uh, have Donald Trump removed from office or, or, you know, basically all of his power taken away from him anyway, especially the power. I don't know at the time I remember she was trying to, uh, take away the, uh, his command at, uh, 
launching nuclear missiles. And uh, there, there was even talk about them, you know, kind of making, uh, taking that away from the president and all together and making it something that Congress had to be involved in. But I don't remember all this other talk about the coup and are talking to the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. I think that um, I think if if they can get the information that they're requesting, that there's going to be more come out about this in coming months. Uh, it just depends on how how much the Democrats can protect her uh, in Washington, how many people she has around her that will insulate her from uh, any information that might be damaging. And of course, the election thing uh, in Iowa is just, it's absurd. So, but unfortunately, neither one of those issues are resolved at, completely at this as this time. So I will circle back around to those when we have more information. So that's, that's it pretty much for tonight. And um, I appreciate you just spending time with me again, listening to another Trice Talk mini pod episode. Um, this being Sunday, be sure and join us tonight for Trice Talk Sunday Night Live at 11 p.m. And um, there's plenty more to talk about, folks, and, and you're welcome to uh, join in the conversation with us tonight. Uh, we certainly encourage people to call in and uh, comment on the subjects at hand anytime we're doing a live show and um, or if you want to comment in the chat room. We appreciate any kind of feedback or any contribution to the show. Um, I'll be back on Monday night with another mini pod episode. And um, for now, I hope everybody has a wonderful Sunday and I'll see you later on. Thank you.